Awoga, this is a 12th cast. Dear listeners, I'm writing to inform you that you're listening to the Ganymede and Titan Instant Reaction Dwarfcast for Series 10, Episode 5, Dear Dave. We're going to be discussing every aspect of tonight's episode and we want your help. If you're listening live, you can comment in the Let's Talk About Dear Dave thread on GNT or you can tweet us at Ganymede Titan. For the first and indeed last time this series, we've got all five GNT writers together in one room to discuss the fuck out of tonight's show. Be unnecessarily rude about your comments and preview next week's literally explosive finale. Yours sincerely, Team GNT. That's me, Ian Symes, Jonathan Capps. Hello. Danny Stevenson. Hello. Tanya Jones. Hello. And at long last, John Hoare. Hello. Co-signed by Joe Sharples of the official Red Dwarf fan club. Hello. And non-Red Dwarf fan, Julian Hazeldean. Hello. So what do we think of that then? <laughs> Initial thoughts. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> home. It would have, would have been nice to have a plot, but I quite enjoyed the jokes nevertheless. Because um, it's it's always good to see Lister having sex with something that isn't his species. <laughs> well, I don't know about always good. It could. Be. <laughs> uh, it's a fan pleaser. I enjoyed the pilot of the Red Dwarf sketch show, but I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure it's worth a full series. Uh, yeah, um, a, a decent amount of laughs. It seemed to simultaneously have. Not enough in it and too much in it, mm. um, which means absolutely nothing. But I'm sure I'll, <laughs> I'm sure I'll work out what that means soon. <laughs> well, hopefully somebody will. And I was in a slightly unusual position, and I seem to enjoy it more than most of the fans. It was just gentle. It was good natured. It wasn't going anywhere, but la- laughs were coming reasonably frequently. Um, yeah, I enjoyed most of it. I. My point still stands about the last line. I don't like it. I don't like Lister calling her a slag in a nasty way. I don't like it. That's it. All right. Uh, well, we'll get to that. Uh, but we might as well attempt to sort of go through it in some sort of order. But we haven't managed that for the last four weeks. But, uh, so there was there was several tiny plots, sort of mini plots, and we count probably about five of them. <laughs> uh, three main strands yeah and so you had let's try and get this straight you had Lister reading letters and trying to figure out whether he was a dad or not which in the end amounted to about two scenes uh, you had the vending machine uh, love triangle uh, you had Rimmer has received word that he could be demoted unless he explains why he's not been working, not been working not for, three for three million years, years. Uh, and there's Lister's attack of Inu over his sole survivor status. Yeah. Inu. <laughs> well, I don't know how you pronounce this. Rod Hall's sake. Ennui. But yeah, that's sort of you know, tied in. French, yeah. And, um, and then the cat needing a pool. Uh, <laughs> uh, so let's just try and... I can't... Right, the, the Rimmer plot, where Rimmer's got to prove why he's... Uh, why he deserves to remain a second technician is really strange because the amount of interaction that's implied with JMC, it seems to imply that um, the Jupiter Mining Corporation is still a going concern. (laughs) It's still a business and it's still got rules and regulations that need to be enforced. And I think that's a step further than the sort of the populated universe sort of things we've been seeing so far this series. It seems like the implication was that Red Dwarf is still an active 
craft in this fleet, and it's just seemed, struck me as a bit odd. Oh, I thought yeah. I thought there was going to be some sort of resetting of the of the situation that three million years later there is still a JMC. But then I remember that a part of this episode is about the human race being extinct. So yeah. it's like there's, this is inordinate amount of pl- power on this automated JMC machine. Onboard computer. Yeah, and uh, previously it's been the onboard computer, but the way it was talked about here, it was like the onboard computer and Red Dwarf is something separate from this weird automated authority that isn't really explained. Would it have been nice to have had Pre as a character for the whole series? Because you could have done that. Yeah. You could have had, right, okay, second episode, Pre comes in, and she's your on-board computer who's your antagonist for the whole series well, and does all the business there. That's a bit of a gamble though, isn't it? Because you're saying that with the knowledge that that was an, a part of that episode that worked really well and you wish you'd seen more of. Mm. Whereas if you're going to introduce a new character and then build the ongoing scenario of the series about it, that's quite a bit more risky. But Doug's always given risks. <laughs> I guess you know, the one thing you can't ever accuse Red Dwarf is of standing still. Well, Crichton started as a one-off, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Oh, but they always intended him to be a... Yeah, and there was a gap there as well of uh, almost an entire um, series. Mm. I guess, um, well, well, this episode is um, was written very, very late on anyway yeah. because of the dropped last two so there's been even more hints going around um, Andrew Allard tweeted a few minutes ago saying that it's one of Doug's hardest writing assignments ever and I assume that's to do with just how little time he had and you know the fact that they only had I don't know if it is even half but around half of it was done in front of the audience and some of that was replaced as yeah well. and yes. we spotted a few um, things that were green screen yeah, quite so, a lot actually. Yeah, there's. Lot, I think yeah. I remember three specific scenes. Uh, the one where you can tell the most is before, just before Cap comes in to do the charades. Um, the start of that scene is all uh, green screen, and then Crichton moves into position around the table, and then they start the scene that was shot in front of the audience. Yeah, or was it VT or what no? It was, it, it, what no, it was done in front we, of them. We saw it. Yeah. yeah, and there was I think quite a lot of the corridor scenes. Basically, every I think. All the scenes that specifically relate to, relate to Rimmer's plot, or at least the vast majority of them, yeah. were, were green screen or at least pickup week, because yeah. none of that stuff was on the night. It, it indicates that. that this episode is perhaps, and that's why it's such a, a bit of a mess structurally, and so much going on. Is um, <laughs> I'd suggest that really most of the episodes have been a bit of a mess. Yeah. Um, to be honest, I I mean, I've said before, I've said on the Drawcast and I've said on GNT that my main frustration with the series is that things haven't been written enough, that we haven't got to a point where we can accept this as part of, you know, because you can get away with a lot of things if you've got enough writing behind it, you've got enough plot behind it. Um, and I think that's part of the issue with the slag joke at the end mm. is that if you had more like you did with um lisa um lisa yates, lisa yates. Lisa yates thank you uh <laughs> if you had more of that then you would have got more of the emotional connection that lister's meant to have with this woman uh and so you would accept his anger a bit more whereas it's just it's just a bit okay i mean i i 
personally, I wasn't really, I don't feel strongly about it as Joe did, but then Joe didn't feel strongly as I did about um, the simulant being used as a, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so Doug's done well to offend two different women in two different <laughs> ways. Um, so well done him. But yeah, I, I do think that's actually at the root of a lot of the problems I've got with the series. I think in, in this episode in particular, the the plotting or lack thereof, I think we can tell that it's come from at least two, maybe three different shooting sessions mm. uh, and possibly two, maybe three writing sessions. I get the sort of impression that the Lister um, pregnancy plot uh, was the, written first as two or three scenes and then another two or three scenes and a different plot were written in and you know, there's there must have been big gaps in the episode at some point, and is that right? Let's let's just add another element because that's what they could do at that point. Yeah, <laughs> and so you get yeah, just things all over the shop. The difference between this episode and the last episode is extraordinary in terms of plot. Where last episode I thought there was far too much being in; it felt like three episodes worth of plot mm. being put in, and I didn't cope because it was flitting around the place too much. And this episode, it's like there's what about half a plot there yeah. somewhere but there's still lots of like, lots of elements but they're not yes they're there's not lots of elements of big, big plotty really, yeah. ideas but I mean like, last yeah. episode especially there was lots of science fiction yeah. concepts yeah. Mm. last but, week's felt a bit um, hitchhikers to me just in terms of going from location to location to location that linear progression of different sites I mean obviously that costs more money with um, a studio based sitcom but to put that into context, um, Julian uh, being hitchhikery to Julian is a bad thing. Well, not necessarily. <laughs> Julian that, is insane. That, that's a bit harsh. I I like oh, okay. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I just don't treat it with the same degree of re- reverence that most other geeks seem to. Um, so uh, something I was going to say about since we're talking about shooting things like that, the um, I've briefly seen that snippet of the SFX review that's gone up on the Let's Talk About thread. Yes. And they say that none of the um, vending machine plot was shot in front of an audience. And they're uh, entirely wrong about that because... The bits of it were. Bits of it were. In fact, uh, none of the stuff with the obsessive uh, vending machine was done in front of the audience, I don't think. But the French one... Yeah. Was originally uh, had a, a sort of a female chav voice. Like it was Catherine awful. Tate style Catherine thing. Tate yeah. sort of a Very machine, pitched. and that whole scene. I think that w- what we saw, I think that was all what was shot in front of the audience, and they redubbed they the just, machine. Yeah, yeah. But um, so. yeah, you can you can tell how it's been done because that scene follows on from Rimmer mocking Lister for his moves, and so he's trying out the moves on the nearest thing you can find, which happens to be a vending machine. And I think that that was all that there was of vending machines in the initial plan. Yeah. And then Doug realised, ah, I could, I could take this element and write a new character in. Yeah. My question is, with the voice change, is it funnier in the episode as broadcast? Yeah. Yes. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Well, there's a... It sounds <laughs> funnier I, I, to me, to be fair, the, what's on, on the screen. I, I like both of them, to be fair. I, I I could have had either, but I think if it hadn't have reminded me of Catherine Tate, I'd have liked the first one. I think <laughs> well, it's just yeah, my prejudices. I didn't really see it that way, but. Um, it's interesting. Um, Ellard tweeted a few weeks ago um, when we were all talking a lot about Taiwan Tony, and uh, he said, "Imagine it if it had been a French vending machine serving French food." would it have been the same? And uh-huh. now, three weeks later, you see, there was a French vending machine. Yeah, the French deserve it, though. Yeah. 
Oh, well, there is a valid point there in, in that the French generally haven't been um, exploited <laughs> yeah. in quite the same way. It's, um, it is, it is it's, different. And it is a bit different when it's your own ethnicity. Mm. Yeah, that's it. In general, Western Europe can, yeah. can look, can look can, after itself. It can, yeah. you know, we, you know, Take it's a, a give and take thing. Yeah. Whereas yeah. rather than a give, yeah, give, give mm. sort of right. thing, which it can be with, you know, uh, it's completely different, yeah. basically. Uh, there has been uh, what can only be described as a mixed response uh, to this episode. Peter um, P Productions hasn't liked a single episode this series, uh, except for tonight. He says, uh, this series so far, four lumps of smeg and tonight one of gold. I actually laughed repeatedly. Me. <laughs> Perhaps he's all still hyped up after the ghost watch seance. Yeah. He's in a good mood. <laughs> Um, whereas um, there's also some bad ones but I can't find them <laughs> at the moment. you have to take our word for that yeah. uh, uh, Chedsaw says I love, the epi- I love this series so far but this episode might be the weakest uh, felt that some of the ideas were recycled again felt like series one or two-ish with the rumour and lister scenes and hardly any cat still laughed a few times but it felt a little stale maybe I'm just being a sour fool this week I wonder if the, the stale comment's interesting because Clearly, this is an episode that is trying to wring as much time out of each scene as possible because there was maybe two big scenes that, that go on far, far too long. Like the the opening scene with Lister and Crichton when he's the hilarious analogy between um, being a part of the human race and being in a relationship yeah. went on for about a minute or two too long Yeah, uh, because it started to get to the point where Lister wouldn't <laughs> be talking about <laughs> the human race as if it was a relationship in that broad uh, human. It just didn't feel. It, yeah, I didn't buy it. I agree it, really. with you. I, I didn't. <laughs> uh, I didn't like that at all, really, because I just thought, why would Crichton be angry about it now? <laughs> to be it honest, was, it had funny lines, but yeah, the, the, that was basically yeah, it, it went on for long enough for you to think, "Hang on, Lister's a human." <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not sure. There's been a strong opening scene this. This series, to be honest, last week, I, I believe last week was a very good opening scene. Trying to remember what it was. There's, there's something weird on uh, Small Monitor too. It's yeah. one of my favourite jokes <laughs> in the series. But the series in general, I think, has problems no. beginning and ending. They all I start think. with Lister as well. Yeah, is the fir- the very first shot of every episode, um, of the model shots is Lister always. Yeah bored of him now <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't really have a problem with the openings because they're just setting the scene up like you know boring everyday things yeah oh yeah I, so I don't i never have too much problem with the plot i just don't laugh at them yeah i don't they tend to be that comedically weak, um, weaker but i mean last week's was great so you know it can still this might be jumping ahead slightly, but you reminded me about the um, the comments about it feeling stale. Uh, I take it we all got the very obvious feeling of polymorph. Yes. yes. <laughs> with Ben uh, Machine. Yeah. And this is exactly <laughs> the thing I was banging on about with my review last week about the, you know, the, the bits that are still quite good, but it is the revisiting past glories. I'm mm. just getting that feeling too much. Also, I did like that uh, quite. I did. Yeah. Get me wrong, I actually really liked the vending machine thing. I just at the same time as really kind of quit enjoying it. I'm looking and thinking, yeah, this it was is just the same thing, but it was good. good. Um, Paul Williams uh, on Twitter says, 
Uh, he enjoyed the episode, but why the hell would you lie on top of something that you're trying to lift? Worst joke of the series <laughs> so far. Yeah. You, uh, you don't. You can't really. <laughs> no, I don't have a problem with that. Actually, talking about cat having wanting to have a shit and there being no toilet paper, that didn't go anywhere particularly, did it? <laughs> no. um, it, needed it, it, need, it's fe- it felt like it needed an extra line at the end because he needed a shit and couldn't find a loo roll, so he went in and got um, Rimmer's report book. Which has all his evidence as to why he needs to be kept mm. on. Yeah, and, like, uh, yeah. and then that did, there wasn't that then was any conclusion that, to that. Yeah, no, exactly. And also, also, I thought he'd already had one and was walking around the ship, <laughs> not I, fully wiped. I thought yeah. that was it, and he was trying go, trying to find <laughs> something to wipe because he's got his shirt out and everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so. it, it's a multi-layered joke that you could interpret in in many different ways. Um, interestingly, uh, this has nothing to do with anything, but I'm still on for time. Pete Part 3 <laughs> says uh, he's listening to this dwarf cast before he's watched the episode. Fucking well, <laughs> idiot. Pete. <laughs> you are, we are not as good as Red Dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> Even at its worst, we're not as good at it. So, um, I guess let's talk about the slag now. Yeah. Um, what are the objections in this room? Out of character. Yeah, it's just it doesn't. It it feels like far too an aggressive word for Lister to to use, and that I think I agree with what Tanya said. If there had been more build up, and that's what I was looking for in this episode, because we only saw like half of it recorded. So I thought, well, perhaps there will be more context, and perhaps we'll see that you know Lister there was you know a really deep meaningful relationship there and it, you know how emotionally connected Lister was and so it would be warranted for her for him to to react so aggressively but i don't think that it was there i just i, I don't think it can be justified and i don't think it's as far as as, as i see it i don't think that it's in Lister's character to to talk like that about somebody but he, we, he no, we didn't even liked, that we yeah. don't know as viewers anyway, so we can't laugh. It's not like you know he's being horrible to yeah. Rimmer or even being horrible to Kachansky because we know the characters. We can kind of yeah you know, give yeah. it a bit yeah. of context. But which one do you think offended you more? The lack of justification in the episode or inconsistency with what you know of the character? Um, I think the inconsistency really for me. Just I just don't think that Lister would say that. No. I don't, I, and I, I obviously I've had a long time to think about it, and I was looking for certain things in the episode to justify it, and they I didn't get them personally. I mean, I the episode made me laugh a lot, but I just I was sat here like I've, with my <laughs> hand in front of my face when it was coming up, and I just no, I don't like it. I think. It's it serves as a con- sort of end joke, a conclusion to the thing. <laughs> um, I just don't think it's particularly applicable, uh, pretty appropriate for Lister to be saying it, or I don't for a red dwarf to have it. Really, it's. I know it's I don't funny. Know. It's because I, I can't remember who I was having a conversation with. Possibly Seb, who isn't here. Oh, good. <laughs> um, and I think if it had been Rimmer. If the situation had been Rimmer, um, and Rimmer had said that, I can see that character say, I can see him saying that line, mm. and and I wouldn't feel uncomfortable with that. Mm-hmm. But it's specifically Lister, 
using that aggressive language that I don't... Yeah, it's not so much the word in isolation. No. There's cause... nothing wrong with the word. Well, well yeah. The, yeah. You know well, I'm I mean? not approved when it comes to swearing, no. obviously, as anyone who's met me will attest to. <laughs> you but... hit the fucking clit on the head there, you cunty <laughs> I mean, Lister's said, he's, he's said slag before, but that was purely in the case of where he wasn't quite himself he wasn't it, himself and, he wasn't and it was in a using it to context. refer it to a woman yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. wasn't used that anymore it was a, used a, a general sort of aggressive statement yeah. uh, uh, Quinn Drummer on Twitter says every episode this year has had more swearing in it than usual bastards twats bollocks it used to be occasional now it's the norm and I think uh, norm uh, might be the biggest swear word of all in terms of <laughs> <laughs> I'd say that bearing in mind I've just gone through and noticed all the edits that's not strictly true no. There's an awful lot of bastards <laughs> in Red Dwarf that you forget about, especially around series three and four. There's more swearing than you remember, more swearing than yeah. I remembered. Yeah, I think. Well, this series, I think we've had at least two twats. Kerry because in fact, one of the yeah, but some of the Howard, best bits. Howard says you're not a twat, and, and yeah. Lister not been twatting about with that. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> that's true. Actually. Two really good. Rimmer had a bollocksing, damning bastard or something. Oh, yeah. I, I think that might be my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> <of the episode. laughs> it was particularly well done. <laughs> yeah. uh, good swearing is is good. <laughs> it's done well. It's brilliant. I agree that good swearing is good. <laughs> Um, a couple of thoughts on this from Twitter. Um, Cy Bromley, that gobshite, says, uh, Lister's only just three million years later found out that she was cheating on him the whole time, hence the anger, just a thought. Yeah, but we got that. <laughs> yeah, it's, but this I is think... the thing, she hasn't, he hasn't, it's been over three million years since he had any contact with her, supposedly. Mm. Um, so well, It's not specifically the cheating that drives him over the age, is it? Because he found out about that in the middle of the episode. Yeah. It's more, he mm. thought he might have had a child, discovered that he didn't, this, and he lashed yeah. out. Lashed it, out he did. I, think, I do think your, your reaction is more rooted in what you lot know of the character, because I'm normally the one who drones on about gender politics in sci-fi, and I watched that and didn't bat an eyelid. So I just do think that it's much more. You think it's out of character, not yeah. mm. you yeah. think it's inappropriate in the episode. Still, quite um, a big crime, especially when it comes to Red yeah, Dwarfs. The characters should be nailed on by this. One. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't think it had enough work on it, so I, you know that's why we're, part of the reason why we're not buying it. Well, I'm not buying it. <laughs> I'm not alone in not buying it. <laughs> um, but in terms of there being three million, yeah, I. We've never heard of this woman before. Yeah. Why? Why? Why are you meant to buy that? Lister gives a shit. I don't buy it. It's well, rubbish. You can and say yes, that about all, anything. You all, you all accepted when um, Rimmer's brother turned up, and you'd ne- never seen him before, though, didn't you? Yeah, oh, we've heard about him. Heard a lot about yeah, Rimmer's brother. Don't Julian. Listen, we were upset that not enough was made of Rimmer's brother turning up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, the the thing about um, she's never been mentioned before. Why do we care though? I don't quite agree with that because you could say that about anyone. You could say that about um, Lisa Yates. You could say that about Michelle Fisher. You could say that about you know anyone that's mentioned for the purposes of a. It's just it's just a thing in TV. Well, it's Michelle an, Fisher is it's an not, it's not. Yeah, but we are made to care about Lisa Yates mm. because of. Because of the way it's written, yeah, and there's, that's the, the there's time to show it, and there's, it's written yeah, better than this yours. So you yeah. see how Lister feels about her, and in this, it just it. I think that's one of the issues with this episode is that 
there's, he's trying to cram so many things in to various episodes that things that should have more time spent on them are a little bit rushed and that is one of the things I yeah. think when you're in a yeah when you're in a rush to finish a script having lots of little bits is easier and quicker yeah. to write than because when you start expanding on something it then needs more care because it all needs to kind of hold yeah. together a bit more but you could but yeah, I understand he had problems and because of all the the issues that we know about with yeah. for the last two episodes. I understand that. I'm not saying you know anything bad about Doug because <laughs> of that. But I just I do think that m- more should have gone into that so that we understood exactly how much this woman that we've never heard about before meant to Lister, because I didn't get it. No. More than just the crinkly nose. Yeah, yeah. Mm. she had a she had a crinkly that nose. That was basically the best thing he had yeah. to say. Um, on the other hand, um, Danny was good in his bit of, of um, don't think about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah. all fours with the finger wetting machine going <laughs> at him. Another scene that went on a bit long, but the the core just of it was good. Yeah. yeah. And the, oh, you haven't listened to a word I've said. <laughs> <laughs> the payoff was good. So. He has listened. <laughs> um, there's a there's a couple more um, bits that my brain was triggered while we were talking about that, about people acting out of character. But before we get on to that, um, there's a bit in the SFX review where they say, um, regarding the final scene, um, Doug Naylor considered softening the final line, substituting Trollope for Slag but was convinced the word was justified when he saw the live audience reaction to the line. They laughed a lot. So it's your fault. <laughs> it's, it's everyone's fault that was at the recording. But, and yours. But, yeah. I'm not being funny. I was in the audience for a lot of the time. We laughed at everything. Yeah. <laughs> you can't base it on that. And he didn't try out the other line. No, that's true. I, that, he, I remember that... Um, that Craig did say Trollope because I remember thinking that afterwards and thinking that's a better line, but he didn't say it as part of an actual take. take yeah. They did a proper take, and then Craig just said as an after thing, "Oh, what a Trollope!" And I thought, "Oh yeah, that's better." Yeah, but yeah. they never did a proper take they with it, proper so take, they kept like there was no it. comparison. Yeah, yeah, there was a slight. Clearly, Doug would have. Well, maybe heard that and thought, oh, should we retake it with that? No, that just, you know, Slag just got a big laugh, move on. Oh, there was no time. And it's, yeah, it, it, the point. It, that makes it sound like well, you're there were two takes and <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, careful yeah, decision no, well, was made. Yeah. <laughs> and this is just uh, yeah. SFX reporting, something that Doug's presumably said Same in an interview at some point. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's, it's annoying that that's, if people take that to heart, really, because that's one of the, um, the things that people, well... The, obviously the majority of fans were very pleased that there was an audience but there was a undercurrent of worry that um, that having an audience there would just make just make everyone because the audience were always going to laugh at most things just be overexcited it, yeah it would it would make them think that they're doing better than they are and that you know taking that audience's opinion as gospel is not it's not necessarily a fair test um, but I don't think of there could be any other examples of that happening. So, well, this episode itself had probably, well, actually, because a lot of it was recorded at like a screening for, yeah, know, fewer people that were at the recording anyway, and um, but it wasn't more muted sort of laugh track. Um, it has been. There's been a few occasions where I thought, you know, the audience has just laughed at, you know, at something that just plainly isn't even meant to be funny. <laughs> that yeah. happened a couple of times, mm. but I think. Um, and you know, I was—I'm sad to say—I was party to that laughing. <laughs> um, 
but but yeah, th- this episode it was quite it was it was a bit quieter. I thought. That's I mean that's common to all audience sitcoms as well. The audience laugh at something which is a bit mystifying because yeah. if when you go to audience recordings you realise that anything could set laughter off, especially if uh, actors had trouble getting a line out or yeah. there's been some yeah. sort of prop mishap or anything could have gone on to create that laughter. It's not it's not a major problem with audience sitcom I don't think um, because if the material is good enough, then you know you might you you're not likely to get thrown off by it. Yes. Well, there's no audience sitcom that where the where your reaction is stronger than the audience. The audience is always laughing more mm. than you do out loud, anyway. Yeah. Um. So you know, obviously it's common, yeah, across all of them, and it's natural. Really. What the thing is is that with any line and any kind of little tick that an actor brings to performance, it, there can be something that might just tickle you. Yeah. Or tickle a few people. There was um, uh, a line in, um, you know, the Smith and Jones um, uh, do it all spoof advert. And it's not a line. It's I think a... that one's passed us by. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look it up. It's brilliant. But um, there's a line there, which I won't bother going into because um, there's no point because no one's here has seen it. But the point is, it's a line that I really find funny and it's not a joke. Yeah, yeah. it's just something in the inflection and the way it's delivered that really makes me smile and laugh and I think that happens all the time at recordings mm. uh, yeah, well, and there's also plenty of jokes where we've turned to each other and said why didn't the audience go for that we're guffawing yes. <laughs> and even within this series there's been plenty of that particularly in Fathers and Sons a few of Rimmer's lines in there we've talked about at the time Yeah. oh when Lister was ejected in space mm. yeah that's not a man that's Lister <laughs> yeah. um, uh, going back a second to um Talking about Lister and the human race and yearning for them. Uh, Walking Toaster, not talking, Walking Toaster on Twitter (laughs) says, do you think that Lister's yearning for the human race was undermined by a female human appearing last week and it being not really a big deal? (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Her dying. You could also say that her appearing and dying triggered his depression. True. So yeah. that is in your face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a reminder of look what you. That's another problem, isn't it? Though it basically has been written enough that we can connect the dots. So, yeah. <laughs> I would have been really impressed if that had been in the dialogue. One line linking mm. last week or this week like that, and it wouldn't have been unusual for this series either because no. they've had a few moments well, like that. The con- just having connections yeah, between well, that and Lister taking his um, engineering calls, just little tiny yeah. connections that just—is this the first episode that hasn't had anything like that, or is there uh, something um, I've missed? Well, no, I think they've done the, when they were doing the. I don't know if you wanted to mention like the Sherard scene. The um, uh, Lister mentioned Kachansky it was crowbarred in yeah it was whole thing bad wolf just, torture yeah. Yeah, just, why would he guess what yeah something wrong with Kachansky but surely yeah. his first guess would be we found Kachansky because it's bad news to be honest every single time he says Kachansky I'm just thinking shut up about Kachansky but that charade scene was good yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah. Sp- giant death no, giant That death scene definitely went yeah. on too long, but I thought it was funnier because it went on too long. Yeah. Yeah. It was meant to go on for too long. It went round in a loop. It it also, was it also slightly ad-libbed as well, where they obviously told to just kind of get somewhere? I think Cause, so. Because Lister sort of acted towards Rimmer in a very, un, not unlisted, but just in a very different way that we've seen, just kind of like, where are you getting that from, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. well, it was really yeah. weird to yeah, see, because it, it seemed very ad-libbed, the whole... Well, if, every, well if everything that was said there was written down, it would be oh, <laughs> 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 a mess yeah. on the page, like, but, it you know, Doug's done that before. <laughs> yeah. 
Ian, were you saying you wanted to talk more about people acting out of character? I did. And <laughs> you being helpful is quite out of character. <laughs> <laughs> But well, I've got. To, well, we've only got a couple of months left of the year. I've got to get my quota in. <laughs> um, Rimmer being—it's <laughs> only a minor thing, and it, it, and it's again, it's a result of the episode being bits of old stuff—not old stuff, but bits of random <laughs> footage drawn together. <laughs> rather than, <laughs> I'm to be charitable, myself. yeah, but. Um, Rimmer suddenly being an authority on what women want <laughs> is a bit strange. Uh, knowing more about it than Lister, perhaps. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, he Does he know more about thinks, it, though? Or? He thinks he knows. He and he... Um, his um, Jacobean um, yeah. wooing, <laughs> that was Chris Barry. That was yeah. Yeah. Jacobean Kenneth Williams. It's the kind of squeaky Gibson thing, isn't it? Yeah, there's something, yeah, something coming in that's... Yeah, it's it's not quite the character; it's the actor doing something that they can do, or you know. Which was one of my biggest problems with Eight, as he started thinking. Well, Lister's not Lister; he's Craig Charles. Yeah, and, and uh, no one wants that. Not as bad when it's Chris Barry. Uh, I don't know what that says about my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like them both, um, but yeah, it's. Um, the, I mean, the whole series has been littered with with little bits where you just think that doesn't really feel like the character that I know. A lot of yeah. things have changed and you can accept a lot a lot of change. Uh, last week was the most consistent character wise I thought. Mm. Um but I don't think... uh, Yeah, I think it has been a, a mixed bag and it's probably fifty fifty in terms of moments where you think that's a bit out of character to moments where you think, ah, oh, they've got that. That's, yeah. Like Rimmer being a bit incredibly anal about things and Crichton being insecure but not whiny as he would have done in previous series and it's one of those things where if they're acting in character then you wouldn't notice it it's like good sound no one notices good sound only bad sound oh yeah yeah, you'll notice the shit stuff for example this uh, (laughs) podcast (laughs) 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 Um, there's been a suggestion on G&T that uh, a couple of people (laughs) is an idea for an alternative ending by Stephen Abootman Lister reading the thing. Sorry, Dave, I was lying. I'm not pregnant because I used to be a man. <laughs> yeah, that's less offensive. <laughs> um, I've got a tweet here from um, a Sebastian Patrick. Oh, no, that, no. He, he, that's a small point. Is that best. a small point? Yeah. Seb, you've been relegated to small points. Uh-huh. Seb's got point. a small point. It ties into my small point, so yeah, Dave. <laughs> Uh, Desi on GNT has pointed out that there was a few back refs in the charade scene. Um, Crichton being replaced. Uh, <laughs> yes. The mention of chameleonic uh, microbes. Yeah. Uh, he mentions a nanovirus, which I didn't pick up on, but might well have been there. Yeah, yeah. it was very. The very dialogue good. is incredibly. I think that's one of those ones that you're going to pick up. More we're going to have to. Yeah, yeah. we're going to have to listen to that one because it's very, very. Well, there's what, well, at one point in that scene, the mix has. Every single character all talking at once. Yeah, yeah. it was it was it, it was done quite well, really, because stuff like that can get annoying. But it was um, it was amusing chaos. It was, yeah, it was. People, I mean, people have talked about how this series maybe has a few too kind of standard comedy tropes in it, yeah. and it has taken so serious time for Red Dwarf to get round to the charades joke. <laughs> but now they've done it, <laughs> and it was good. Yeah. And yeah, actually, I'd have a problem with the scene, but you know, uh, it's it's one of those things that results from five different. 
storylines going <laughs> but I mean because it's the cat doing charades and he's saying it's two words when it's actually not and it's a ridiculous explanation of what actually what he meant by that so. I think at this point it's a good time to sort of sit back and, and remember what was used <laughs> as filler for episodes that were running short on material in series 8 and compare it to what we've got for filler in this episode yeah. uh, in, rather than you know a blue midget dance or but that wasn't clock, meant to be filler, was it? To be fair, the, the dance was wasn't no, that in the part dance, three. That, no, da- the dance was always going to be there. It's oh, everything else right. in part three was oh, filler, yeah. pretty much. <laughs> well, just everything <laughs> else in part three. Then. <laughs> still, be- it's still not as good. No as comment. As <laughs> um, I'll go on then. Let's talk about uh, what Seb wants to bring up, which is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or you could spit a bit of bile at Dave's Facebook page. Uh, that, I'm saving that. Ooh. So well, I've fucking taken over the show all of a sudden. Seb says, Sabutio, Sabutio, Sabutio. Seb, Utio, Patrick there. <laughs> uh, yeah, Seb mentioned in our Out of Time Dwarf cast about a year and a bit ago that um, the fencing around the <laughs> wicked, uh, the picket fence. That, oh, yeah, the picket fence. Oh, yeah. uh, um, Lister's. Chocolate finger log cabin is Subutio fencing. Does that mean they play Subutio <laughs> on board? And now he thinks that he's co written this episode. <laughs> <laughs> because Rimmer uh, plays Subutio and there are Subutio tournaments on board. And um, the Subutio Red Dwarf fan uh, Venn diagram, which possibly has just Seb in the middle, but probably a few others as well, is going to be Don't very happy. Carl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I liked uh, the, uh, the, um, uh, the Rimmer's finger thing, was quite good as yeah. well. It was a very good, nice bit of. So However, um, Matt King says, I found uh, Rimmer being into Subutio a bit strange. Uh, the strategy of risk definitely was Subutio. There's strategy in Subutio. Yeah. yeah. I can, it, it seems fairly in character, although he, I, it all strikes me that Lister's the, the football, football fan, yeah. although he only makes a reference to actual proper football once, and that's in Series 7, uh, so it could probably be stricken from the record. I think Rimmer's a games nerd. That's yeah, fine. He's no, that's true. Football, board game, yeah. yeah. Yeah, a game's a game. Well, it's not to him, but it's... yeah. Um, once the Subutio tournament is set up, and whoever it was set that up, whoever he wants to win it because it's something <laughs> uh, that he can win. I like... and he's prepared to go to the trouble of giving himself finger exercises. Just like so do you think it's get... possible he's the only entrant in the tournament? <laughs> well, no. He says that last time he only reached the quarterfinals. If all the crew were playing, it would only be semi-finals onwards. So like, it must be it must be against scutters or vending machines. Or in which game. case he's so shit that he loses to vending machines. Or he's playing against himself. He's just he's got oh, like me one self. versus me two. Yeah. Yeah. Or he might be playing with the entirety of JMC's head office by the time. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's in the Christmas episode where they get invited round to dinner. <laughs> but I just really like the idea that if Rimmer's playing himself, he still only gets to the quarterfinals. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he classes. He can't himself. actually get to the final himself, even though he's playing everything. <laughs> Um, let's uh, throw some bile at Dave's Facebook page, shall we? Yeah, do that. that's a good <laughs> suggestion, actually. I, that just occurred to me to, to do that. Um, I get the feeling I'm going to be edited out of this. <laughs> it's live. <laughs> Have we not told you? <laughs> uh, da, 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 da. Let me find the comment on GNT because I'm so professional. First, let uh, me describe what daylight savings time is. Because <laughs> Dave clearly needs to know about that. Uh, Connell um, pointed out in a comment posted at 8.43pm on GNT, Dave's Facebook page is totally cocking up. They announced the episode would be on in 10 minutes at 10 minutes to 8. Now they've just released the Dear Dave quiz brimming with spoilers from the episode. 
Now, given that everything happened about an hour before we'd expect it to happen, <laughs> we're guessing it's some sort of clocks going back fuck up. So uh, these things were scheduled to be published yeah. in advance before the clocks went back and it's not dated or they're being updated manually and whoever's done Someone's it hasn't put the their clock, clock back yet. <laughs> <laughs> Which is quite impressive almost a week later. Yeah. Um, uh, something that's just occurred to me, um, I won't go into it too much, but I don't know what... Dave's page, I think, is just a Facebook page. So any scheduling would have been done by Facebook and could well be Facebook's fault. But if it's a separate app, it could be a whole different piece of software that Dave's um, running. That, yeah, you can... You use a variety of methods to um, schedule posts on Facebook. Right. Uh, because I've done so myself. Presumably your time zone for your page is something you look after yourself, maybe. As well. Oh, God, I don't know. It's really <laughs> interesting. I think, let, let me just uh, ask you a You've few more questions. you got people to take over. <laughs> but yeah, we've, it's... It's, a, that's a bit it's of a pathetic, isn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah. But not as bad yeah. as the continuity announcer. Um, oh. and this is a lot of people are complaining about online of just basically describing the plot yeah, <laughs> at the every, start of the episode I think it was Ella pointed out that everything he mentions in describing the plot happened in the second part yeah. as well <laughs> so you're spoiling things that aren't even imminent <laughs> oh, good one <laughs> but the ident's still nice yes yeah. they did that well and they broadcast it well there's mm. no, you know, credit squeezing. No Although I still, well, not that it's Dave's fault, but I still think that ad breaks are terribly placed this series. What the, was this one? I can't quite remember. I can't remember what it was. Oh, it was the after scene. the Sherrod scene. There's thing. just no, oh, you know, yeah, yeah. Well, the cats there's no the midpoint cliffhanger. It's clearly yeah. not designed for it at all, but this is where it's first going on. It's first being shown on date. Yeah. It needs to be built in yeah, it's been to a mid-episode cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah okay. it's it's you've got a sort of... Well, it's a tricky one. It's it's a modern thing, and it's a it's a non traditional way of dealing with things because previously, before, um, well, it's DVD has made it more of a thing. Although there has been home video for a long time, and multi channel, and everything else, and uh, PVRs and catch up services mean that it's no longer necessarily the your first broadcast where you canonical. get the majority canonical. of your views. Mm-hmm. What canonical or co- is that? Co- what? You know the the the, the canonical broadcast. You know what I mean. The, the, oh, there's a word. I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what scene is the yeah, official? What, what yeah. scene is the official version? Yeah. My my problem is is that they put ad breaks in old episodes of Red Dwarf, and some of them work really well, and yeah. it's actually improved with the episode. Uh, the one which they did with Queeg was that Red Dwarf is one by, uh, run by Queeg five hundred. Bang into ad break, it improves the episode. I think it. I would prefer it to be more catered for the initial broadcast because uh, initial broadcast itself is an event for a lot of people, and yeah. the fact that you've had more than a million watching each episode as it goes out is testament to that. And also, they're going to be repeated endlessly on Dave. And as as with um, the classic series of Red Dwarf, that feels weird now because they're classic. <laughs> series, um, they they take up a large chunk of Dave's uh, schedules and they sort of live on Dave and yeah, so absolutely. there's you know uh, apart from ha- the convenience of having them and all the brilliant extras you could probably go without the DVDs because if you're yeah. just interested in the episodes they're on Dave enough the only, and then, and then the only goes to the effort of buying the DVDs and is going to care enough to be interested in the rhythm of a missing ad break will have probably watched it already on the broadcast mm. well, the, the only thing I'd say about this episode is that I'm not quite sure where you would put a cliffhanger 
Yeah. <laughs> it means yeah, it would pops. require a so, plot. Yeah, so well and good saying that's where it should be, but if there isn't one... Well, yeah, but I think that's to the episode's detriment that there isn't one. I yeah. think there should be a place. Yeah. So in that conversation, one. we've come to the conclusion that the modern uh, broadcasting age has meant that... Um, this, this series of Red Dwarf has been made more with DVDs in mind, but we've also come to the conclusion that more people are watching I... it on Dave because it's constantly repeated there. <laughs> no, so, what I'm so saying, no, what I'm saying is they... <laughs> well, no, it, I'm saying they may be looking at um, DVD, Blu-ray, On Demand and um, iTunes as what is the definitive version, but I'm saying that they should think more about yeah. Yeah. Uh, the broadcast version. Yeah, and I think it's a bit annoying because I don't think it would have taken... Well, never written an episode of sitcom in my life but <laughs> if you if you take the list of plots um then you could have him opening the letter and thinking yes. oh i'm gonna be a dad ad break yeah. and then carry on that's true that's that would have been some sort of cliffhanger and then it would have given you an incentive to build that plot up a bit yeah. as well to make sure that the viewers kind of know how much this woman means to him actually that's one thing that i think i hinted at one of the things that the thing about having um, ad breaks and having a kind of a midpoint cliffhanger is it imposes discipline. Yeah. Now, you have to I, honestly, I kind of think some of this series could do with a bit more discipline uh, in that regard. And I think it's a very nice fixed point to go, right, I will aim for this. And yeah. then, you know, so... it give, Well, it, it instantly gives the episode a shape. Yes, yeah. absolutely. That's Whereas true. this episode had no real shape. It was... A, a straight line. Focuses the mind, shall we say. Yeah. Uh, Toughens the nipples, doesn't it? Uh, Quinn Drummer on Twitter says, Is it a sign of how bad Dear Dave was that Ganymede and Titan are spending a lot of time discussing advert placement? And I think, no. It's no, I've been, it's because no, I'm here and I've been wanting to talk about it for weeks. It's a sign of how bad G&T are. That we're <laughs> about it. Uh, it wasn't a bad episode G&T. at all. I, you know, I, oh, that's the thing. Things. I think... I think I would have preferred a plot to no plot, <laughs> but but it made me laugh a lot, and yeah. I think it won't. It's hard to tell, but I don't think it will stand up against the rest of the series. Uh, it won't be one of my favourites long term, I don't think. But on initial viewing, I liked it and I laughed a lot, and I don't think it's a terrible episode. I just think it would be much much better if it wasn't for the trials and tribulations they had in making it and if it had had more time spent on writing which wasn't possible yeah but then you know out of time yeah I mean the some structure of, of that favorite... episode is extraordinary yeah. some of our favourite episodes ever have been delivered extremely as laughingly brought, uh, yeah, late as recorded yeah <laughs> uh, so but, you know. yeah I, I don't know um, I think that it's not just that oh they ran out of time because I think the entire series suffers from this Lemons I think so far is the only example of an episode that's had a lot of effort put into it plot wise and story structure wise and I think it really benefits from it and I felt extremely um, comfortable and happy watching Lemons because I could see there was a plot like they're going somewhere this is what's happening and this that's what's happened at the end brilliant fine we're done yeah it was basically a series of sketches and I'm now thinking about should I do some sort of series of fan edit videos where it is where you, <laughs> you take each bit of plot and make it into six five minute mini episodes <laughs> I have to say I, I think I, I totally agree with what Tanya says because I always do obviously but um, apart from that I think on first watch that's my second favourite after Lemons of the series yeah 
you're laughing lots. Makes it just makes yeah, yeah well, it just some. makes us laugh, which is you know, <laughs> which is something. Is you know, yeah. suffering of a rarity on a lot of the other well, episodes. Yeah. So and it's. It's, that's been my top priority for this series is how much I laugh yeah. um, I'm taking plot concerns as a secondary thing and um, continuity with the rest of the series as one of the least <laughs> of all but things. of course having a decent plot isn't just about it's not like plots one thing and laughs mm. at the other it's all oh yeah, I guess, yeah, yeah. and, and yeah, part of the reason Tavon Lemon's so funny is because the plot was you know Brilliant arm gestures for a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's for the benefit of the room. If you're not here, you're missing out. <laughs> I in, mean, we. I think I got um, Capsa here br- briefly mentioned that I didn't particularly enjoy lemons, but I think what part of the reason why I enjoyed that, as well as finding it funnier, was maybe because there wasn't anything particularly ambitious going on in production terms. It was just all in the ship. No particular effects sequence, whereas something like Lemons, where I know you lot were all, all cooing over the market set, mm. I'm just watching that and thinking, it's the Happiness Patrol with the laughter track. <laughs> so no. something that's a bit more gentle, a bit less ambitious, I, I just found it more enjoyable than the more stretching episodes, really. That's See, I, I, think, I do think you could do an episode which doesn't have an awful lot of plot. I just think you need a bit more of a through line. Yeah. You don't need something densely packed with plot well, you just need something that kind of is going somewhere and that doesn't quite well case in point like the plot of Maroon is yeah. Rimalista gets stranded Rimalista get rescued um, and is all about the interaction this is this episode is basically that it's all mm. interaction and you knew exactly where you were going with well you didn't know exactly where you were going but you knew where you were yeah it was um, well it was it was Marooned is a much much simpler episode than this was as yeah. well because it's it's well that's the thing it's there's down no, to, nothing even remotely B plotty about we've got we're coming back to the B plot uh, and C plot yeah. and D plot and E plot and it is telling maybe to me at least that my favourite is lemons and it's one plot yeah yeah I, think I get that with the with the let's say like the the B plots and the B and the C plot in episode what episode one and two is probably the worst offenders with this. The, the subplots, you can almost see them as gears turning within the story, <laughs> and you can. S- their purpose is all a little bit too obvious and not very organic. Like uh, lemons, then you've just got you've really just got the one story, which is you know it works better from uh, plot wise. I think last mm-hmm. week, the various subplots did better at sort of blending together a little bit as, as part of one thing. So I, I, I didn't feel that. Amount, yeah, yeah. I really didn't. I felt like that was four episodes stuck together. But I, I thought this episode was similar. Is that the, the plots all related to each other in quite nice, little subtle ways, and it kind of gave it a you know what's the episode of The Simpsons where it's twenty two short films about Springfield. Short films about Springfield. Not as good as that. No, <laughs> but that sort of thing. <laughs> no, and actually, and this is an odd thing because I've got no problems with sitcoms having subplots and interact. I, I really don't. Yeah. I just for some reason it doesn't seem to fit fit sit right with me for Red Dwarf. I think they need to be a bit more, you know, a, a, yeah, a bit more related rather than just oh god, you know, I can see what that subplots doing mm. and why it's there and it literally has one interaction with the main plot and that's when it comes together and which the is the end of Fathers and Sons where they yeah. you can see it trying it's just yeah yeah well there's not many sitcoms that 
put its characters in life-threatening situations on a fairly regular basis, is it? No. Is there? That might be something to do with why lighter relief plots you don't feel work so well in the context. Some of us do have them. <laughs> I, have, I, have never I think that was more about putting the actor in the danger than the character. They all hated him. <laughs> um, let's uh, grab a few comments from G and T. Why not? Um, why not? Bob Loblaw says, <laughs> uh, <laughs> "Easily pleased us." It, it's the probably the funniest episode so far for me, which is him. Uh, yes, the plot was thin, but I'm fine with that as long as the last keep coming, which they did. And that seems to be the the theme, because uh, Cozy Fantosi, who's another one who likes it, says, um, definitely one of my faves. Thought Entangled last week was a bit met in terms of laughs, but plenty of lols tonight. And I think if you like this episode overall, then um, it's people that just go for laughs over as the most important thing, which is, which is perfectly valid. Or enjoy that sort of episode as well as the more rather than one or the other oh yeah but yeah for me to truly love an episode of Red Dwarf it has to have more than just laughs and like I say I did laugh a lot at this but I don't think it's going to be one that I go back to particularly Lily but um, let's have a comment from Carlito uh, who says Lister humping the vending machine felt like an attempt to hit the woofer heights of Polymorph one of the most clipped shows in series, one of the most <laughs> clipped scenes in the show's past. Uh, probably my least favorite episode of series ten, just seven days after his favorite. So yeah, it's that scene. That's, that's I mean, I did like that scene, but it's impossible to ignore. Yeah, yeah. The polymorph echoes in that scene. Uh, I can't remember. Did you read out a tweet earlier about why was List trying to lift up the vending machine while yeah. lying on top? Yeah. Of it? <laughs> and um, yeah, a couple of. Uh, there's another tweet on that subject, but I can't find it. Uh, but someone said um, um, that maybe that's why he's only a third technician because he hasn't been taught how to lift things yet. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought if it could have been anything like his coat stuck, anything like that could have explained why he's doing yeah. what he's doing. You, but you otherwise, have, she's have, grabbed onto it with her. That, that, you could have given that line to Rimmer. Oh, yeah. Well, not you. Yeah. Doug. <laughs> could have given that line to Rimmer. That's why it's only a second technician, Crichton. Yeah. Or third technician. But then oh, I did really like the line from the vending machine. Like, oh, I've never seen a ceiling before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, I have to say, it all the vending rude. machine stuff was my, my favourite It's really strand good. by yeah, far. Yeah, I really uh, liked uh, Just quickly to give credit, that was Cassius335. The 335th of the Cassius clan who, uh, <laughs> made, who made that joke, uh, which we all just laughed at. Good so, joke. I have to say, I was quite um, worried seeing the trailer because I did think, oh, Doug isn't going to do a load of relationship material, is he? <laughs> yeah. And actually, yes, no, he did. And he kind of did, but I didn't have a problem I think with any yeah, of the, it. To be the honest. obsessive vending machine I really didn't like. I thought it was. Um, I don't know, it was a bit trite, really, a bit sort of, uh, you know what women are like. I know, obsessed. I feel I should have felt that, and I didn't. <laughs> I, I know yeah. what you mean. I quite liked it, and it, it is obvious, but I think it was well performed, I think yeah. it was well played, and, <laughs> and using, um, pressing, uh, putting your hand on my logo. Yeah! Um, <laughs> no. Oh yeah, I like the French No, no I'm getting on to yeah, it. Yeah. Um, as the vending machine equivalent of Squeezing someone's bum or whatever. Or I like tits the, if you're being more. And, and I like the repetition. I really like Crichton's re- reaction to that because it suggests it's a machine thing. It's like the logo yeah. is yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Capsy, would you have felt different if the vending machine voice would be a man? 
would you have liked it oh, what, more if, or if, less or if the um do you, do you, yeah, do you, yeah. If the obsessed vending machine was a, a homosexual man, it's not so much of a <laughs> cliche. Oh gosh. <laughs> well, that's that's not a cliche that you, you, you often get with the oh you know. It would like, it would depend on how it was played. <laughs> yes, I was. Yeah. yeah. If it was a Taiwan Tony <laughs> version of a of a homosexual, then it would be bad. But that's not. <laughs> assume so. Have you just taken a scene that I really <laughs> like and rewritten it to be terrible? <laughs> or you could have no, not say homosexual man, but a man, a male vending machine who thinks that him and Lister have got a great buddy thing going, and he feels betrayed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, that's an entirely different um, dynamic. It would. It would have to be. Yeah, you'd have to then remove the the innuendo around Lister trying to chat up the other vending machine, and yeah. Maybe I should just write fanfic and have some of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, essentially, you're creating slash between Lister and a male vending machine. <laughs> Which is it's, only one um, step away from what Doug did. <laughs> and I'm sure it's been done on, um, on Red Dwarf slash Live Journal community before. I'm sure it has. I have no intention of verifying that fact. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to um, interject here because Performing Monkey has made an astonishingly good point and that doesn't happen ever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what, who are you and what have you done with our performing moment? <laughs> the characters uh, that Lister knows from three million years ago are called Haley and Roy. Like on Coronation oh, Street. Oh, <laughs> and on Corrie, Haley used to be a man. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I didn't think that. And hold on, I don't Craig think Charles is on Coronation Street. <laughs> <laughs> and also, Craig Charles' character on Coronation Street, Lloyd, has recently found out that he is a father from a relationship oh. that he had 20, 30 years ago. You know what, I thought Roy was an odd choice for a name, but the rest of it didn't clip. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, if that's, that's got, what a coincidence. <laughs> if that, if that, it would be a weird thing to reference if it was intentional, but a weird coincidence if it's not intentional. Well, it's the perfect sort of reference because it's not obvious it doesn't stand out I've got a horrible feeling it might just be us and we all missed it and everyone else has got it everyone else is going yeah Yeah. I love the Coronation Street bit in this (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think um, this is uh, a good time to put in a commercial break Uh, I say commercial break it's just us plugging ourselves but when we come back from this one minute and ten seconds of a a clip we'll be uh, talking going through our small points so if you've got any small points that you'd like to uh, wave in our faces the best way to reach us at this point is by going to twitter and tweeting us at ganymede titan that's at ganymede titan but first here's a message from ourselves the garbage pod is a wholly remarkable book perhaps the most remarkable certainly the most successful book ever to come out of the great publishing corporations ganymede and titan More popular than Norman Lovett's autobiography, better selling than 53 More Things to Do in Chloe Annett, and more controversial than Oolan Kalufid's trilogy of philosophical blockbusters, Where Ian Lee Went Wrong, some more of Ian Lee's greatest mistakes, and who is this Ian Lee person anyway? And in many of the more relaxed civilizations on the outer eastern rim of the galaxy, the Garbage Pod has already supplanted the great Andrew Ellard as the standard repository of all Red Dwarf knowledge and wisdom. Because, although it has many omissions, contains much that is apocryphal, or at least wildly inaccurate, it scores over the older, more pedestrian work in two important ways. First, it is slightly cheaper, 
and second, it has the words Foaming Twat inscribed in large, friendly letters on page 133. Buy it now at ganymede.tv. That's a good idea, maybe you should do that. Um, right, it's now time for small points. Uh, we'll go through the room and whop our small points out in your <laughs> astonished face before leafing through your offerings. Um, my small point is that this episode was a series of small points. <laughs> and, it's, and in fact, what we've done so far in this dwarf cast is flitted from one little thing to the other. And yeah. maybe that's just... <laughs> it's the mood that the episode has put us in, of not being one coherent thread all the way through. And it's just... It's, it's a strange episode. Yeah. It is strange. Um, but that, was, that wasn't that was like a proper small point, so he's got a small point. I have a small point. Yes. Um, bearing in mind what we've been saying so far this series about um, the model shots not having enough room to breathe yeah. and not being long enough, wouldn't this have been the perfect episode to do that? And they still do. <laughs> I think they've got better. I think maybe... It, Trojan, it was it was quite short, but I I I don't know whether I'm just getting used to um, the length. Well, I think I'm um, going to have to measure them all. Oh yeah, okay. We'll, we'll come uh, and do an them. article and do a table, <laughs> and then I'll come back to you. Is is that not to do with sort of current trends of faster editing in general? It is. I think it's bollocks. I yeah, think... no, I'm not saying you agree with that. I'm just saying it's part of a sort of a trend of of, of current. It could well state. be, but. Red Dwarf 10 doesn't strike me as a sitcom that is particularly paying attention to many trends. Mm. It's, no, it's, <laughs> no, no, it, it's, no, I know what you mean. It's yeah. completely... Uh, it's, it's one of its strong points, really. It is, in, as it always has been, entirely a unique thing on television. Um, which, given how long it's been a success for, it's amazing that there hasn't been anything um, good that was trying to do the same thing as Red Dwarf. Um, wow, that... Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's a quickly. I don't have a small point, but I do have a small anecdote from the recording. Oh, I yes. went to the recording. Okay. Oh, I, uh, that was the other thing I wanted to mention. You're going to mention it, but go on. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, um, the uh, opening scene. This would have made the opening scene ten times funnier if they had left the scene. But obviously, you know, you'll see it on the DVD. Actually, this is a DVD spoiler, but fuck yeah, fuck it. Um, when at uh, the end of the first scene, Lister walks out um, singing, which is an odd choice, yeah. um, and Crichton yeah. starts sort of yeah. half angrily um, uh, cleaning the um, cleaning the bunk room, and he carries on after um, the floor manager says cut and continues cleaning more and more furiously, goes up to the camera, looks directly down the barrel and says, what a shithole. <laughs> <laughs> Best line of the episode. It's, 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 it's like a really it. better version of, you know, the famous series 2 Crichton. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like that, but ten times better. Yeah. Really Robert Llewellyn has finally surpassed David Ross. <laughs> <laughs> Ethan Angela would be pleased. <laughs> Any, anyone else got your small points? Um, it, it got an, an odd reaction in the room um, when Kat says oh, um, I'm going to do this as charades and mm. Crichton corrects him and says oh, I think you mean charades yeah. everyone in the room sort of went oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what the fuck did he say Interesting. is it some sort of transatlantic translation thing where, yes. where both, where both yeah. audiences will be able to tell what he's on about <laughs> yeah well, yeah. Seb um, mentioned earlier um, that 
the charade, he mentions the charades bit. Thought quite incorrect in Cat's pronunciation was an excellent but mostly overlooked line, and we've just proved how overlooked it was. Well, I got, I, don't I didn't get, I didn't excellent. see it as a joke. No, I, I just thought, I just so thought it was odd. a weird bit of exposition almost. <laughs> it didn't strike me. It's not really me. that much funny about Cat saying the word wrong <laughs> like that. And only but, slightly wrong, not even wrong, just an yeah. alternative no, he, existing pronunciation. Yeah, and the way he is speaks equally valid. Is, it's, uh, it's quite American. Yeah, I think it's turned the tone a lot of it anyway. The accent is there. If Rimmer already, would have said so... that as a way of just trying to get one up on Cat, then it would have seemed better in Rimmer's mouth than it would in Crichton's. Yeah, because it seems like Rimmer would be just being pedantic yes, as opposed that's to being. True. Yeah, Crichton just for some reason was being pedantic, and it's weird. Yeah, that Crichton it was, do uh, that. He doesn't normally do that because they understood. Well, that's a missing. But thing. then I suppose I suppose he said charades, and they said charades. As in, why would you be doing it as charades? And so yeah. then Crichton went, oh, I think he means charades. So maybe he misunderstood uh, so the situation. Yeah. Maybe he thought they didn't understand what he, what Cat meant. I don't know, it's too confusing. Yeah. But that's, that's the thing, is the fact that it didn't, even, right. that didn't translate very well <laughs> no. to me anyway. Novices of the room. I do have another small point. Yeah. Greedy uh, boy. I am disappointed <laughs> that they didn't do anything different with the episode title this episode. Because... The episode before, they had the extra big one. The episode before that, they had the yellow one. Mm. And then, all right, the first two are the same. Well, Father of the Sons was on two lines. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I thought they were going to do something it. different, and they didn't understand. Do it in a cursive font as if it's a letter. It's been written. It's absolutely I think they should have done it in Comic Sans. <laughs> <laughs> comic Sans. <laughs> to match the ragtag nature of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Here's... Uh, here's a good small point from Ian Tunes, the inventor of iTunes. Um, <laughs> small points. Uh, starting late because Top Gear episode from 2009 was overrunning. Really, Dave? I didn't spot that it started late. It, at uh, nine o'clock, it was, um, it was still on Top Gear, although there was then a very short ad break before Red Dwarf. In. Red, I think it started about 9.01, 9.02. That's within acceptable tolerance. It is. Yeah, and it's better to start late than it is to start early. Yes, yes. Yeah. and I have seen channels starting early and it pisses me right off. Um, such as the one show every single time. <laughs> um, well, if if Caps has decided that we're moving on to internet well, small points rather than... <laughs> Does I'll, anyone else have any small no, points? I've just got one more small oh, point. In see? Much, sorry, yeah. just one more. Let's um, mix it up, man. <laughs> in a, the, the, uh, the model shop, I think, was a new one in this episode and it was bloody gorgeous. Which? Uh, I think it was a, a, a crawl over the top of the scoop. Oh, I've never yeah. seen that before. And that was bloody um, Fathers and Sons. Have they? Mm-hmm. Are you sure that... No. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. right. the, the, the scoop that is going over the scoop like that. You know what I mean, listeners, like that. Yeah, like that. Like yeah. that. Can you what see? All <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Uh, no, I think it was in. It was either that or in the trailer for that episode. Mm. But yes. Oh, oh, okay. It doesn't change your small point though. Oh. Lovely. It was a lovely. They're still nice. <laughs> it's showing Red Dwarf's big point. Carlito has a small point. Uh, he says, even though I didn't love it, I did like the idea that the vending machine's biggest dream was just to see around the corner. <laughs> yeah. uh, that was very well played. Yeah. And it, it was a very Crichton-y thing, wasn't it? Because uh, previously Crichton has said that if he could go back to any time period, it would be <laughs> last week. Well, week when last they, Tuesday. Yeah. Also, and I've been reading that uh, exit sign over there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but most aptly uh, in Infinity, uh, the book. Oh no, uh, it's the start of Better Than Life rather than the end of Infinity. Um, he gets trapped in 
in the game better than life because just as he's about to reach the exit sign, he sees a squidgy mop. Uh, oh, yeah. oh no! Uh, he gets his squidgy mop as his ultimate dream in Infinity, and he gets trapped uh, washing dishes in um, in, in, in Better life, Than Life. Yeah. But yeah, machines want very tiny, specific things because their lives are so shit. Because they're given <laughs> sentience to basically <laughs> slaves. <laughs> so well done, everyone. <laughs> Something unimaginably more splendid than heating bread. It's that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Um. Uh, if you want to get your small points into us, we've got a little queue, um, but get into at Ganymede Titan on Twitter, because uh, th- here's one that we might want to talk about a little more in depth. John's man says, uh, have you already discussed the French vending machine? Do you feel any better now that we know that all the vending machines in this series are mad with bad accents? <laughs> no. No. Because it was a performance problem I had, not a characterisation particularly. Yeah, and the reason that it didn't, jar in the same way as Taiwan Tony did was because as for all the reasons we mentioned earlier it's sort of it's not as bad to do a French accent if you're well, English than it is to do a Chinese accent if you're English. The thing is though I mean whether you buy it or not the show's doing a different thing the joke there is not about uh, yeah. racism now I quite like the Taiwan Tony stuff because I think it's a valid thing to have you know the contradiction between you know dealing with racism with a racist vending machine but whether you buy that or not that episode doesn't anything to do yeah, with any of that at all it's, not, it's a totally yeah. different yeah it's a mm. completely different shark it's a different shark different film another twitter small boy um, Matt King says his brother-in-law walked in just as Lister was shagging the vending machine that was his most awkward moment in series 10 for him <laughs> 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 Um, Voter Colonel says that the exterior shots of planets were the moon, uh, capital M, um, and the same pick of the moon reversed. So <laughs> interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. Been, presumably there were some so um, the digital gubbins, <laughs> digital gubbins put over the top of it to make it look, not look like the moon because it's yeah. quite a distinctive thing. I think we the tend moon. to see it quite often. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that was well disguised because I didn't notice it, but good spot. Nice spot. Nice spot, though. Uh, Pendo uh, has pointed out that the Doomsday website has just been updated about Red Dwarf 10. (laughs) (laughs) Possibly a few weeks too late. (laughs) They really are shit, aren't they? (laughs) This could well be the best small point um, that anyone sent in. Uh, Pete Martin says, I like Ganymede and Titan. It is quite good. I think that's a really good point. It is quite Quite good. good. It's quite good. Um, Stubbleless, 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 as a small point, uh, that he enjoyed (laughs) Cap grabbing a bottle of the milk from the fridge to contrast with Lister's beer. Uh, And Jesmond says, it looked to me like that milk bottle had a teat for the lid. It's not, (laughs) it's not, it's It's one of these uh, water bottles that you get that have a uh, a Brita style filter in them. So you put tap water in it and then drink it back and it filters it as you drink, which must make milk weird. It must separate the milk. Yeah, mm. you'll just get. It's a terrible yeah. idea. Why are you using that? <laughs> I think I, I saw it as like a sports drink container, like a. Sort of I like don't a, know. Maybe because like they're in the future, like they have like a little warming element, so it warms the most. Yeah, oh, fucking hell. Sorry, what we see about Danny Rand? I've got this horrible image of Danny Jundrell suckling now. And you just had to share. I did. Thanks. Uh, Pistol Pete Hurls uh, says, not, Pesco, not Pecos Pete, I hate him, that is Pistol Pete Hurls says on Twitter, when does your interaction pod go up? It, <laughs> this is it. <laughs> 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 
now. <laughs> I fear you may be very Pay disappointed attention. sometime soon. You'll get a better quality version tomorrow. And yes. not a minute but before. he's not listening to this. <laughs> but, <he's not>. um, <laughs> but he will be, when he does. <laughs> at risk of uh, Vote Colonel uh, taking over the, podca- the small points section, well, he says, I also love the uh, Rimmer advice of Lister listening to brass band music. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I agree, really like that. And that was uh, a scene with quite a few little Rimmer callbacks. Hiking yes. through the diesel Rimmer, Rimmer's bets. a Herb Albert and the Tijuana bass man. <laughs> Another reason why I love him. <laughs> <laughs> um, I hadn't picked up on this, but um, a couple of people have mentioned. Uh, Jamie Rodge says it's nice to hear Melado. It's been a while. No, mm, I noticed it because it reminded me of that terrible um, mishearing that um, oh, Andrew, yeah. Andrew posted on Twitter <laughs> a few weeks ago. What was that? Um, Reminds me. Oh, we don't. Some, uh, I'll go over it quickly. Don't get stressed out about it, people on GNT. Um, somebody thought that um, when every single time that Rimmer has said mulatto, yeah. he was saying mulatto. <laughs> <laughs> which is which like, is, which yeah. is, it's, it's sort of like an old Latin slave culture. term yeah. for a mixed race slave. Oh, bloody hell! And yeah. Um, yeah, so lots of people had to point out that no, <laughs> that not. wasn't what <laughs> was was I was saying. You fucking idiot! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's as tickled. Him. <laughs> yeah. um, moving I'm, on, <laughs> you're bad because I've just got a really racist joke. So yeah. <laughs> We are live. Yeah, I know. You know Move what on. happened to Richard Keyes. <laughs> but nothing interesting in his life ever. Um, Ellard, uh, speaking of the devil, says, uh, interesting deleted scenes He's for Dear Dave 2. A big Rimmer Lister chat in particular, as the audience will recall. Uh, that's a challenge for us. Do you I do recall. I do recall a big chat that sort of uh, spun off from the parking ticket thing. I remember the parking ticking up. I might be wrong because uh, everyone's looking at me blankly. No, no, I just I can't It's been like nine months. Yeah. So something like about things. parking his car in certain places or something. There was a reason for him having a parking ticket, I seem to recall. Oh, that's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Isn't I it can't remember specifics, but yeah, now, now you said it, I do remember some exchange no, regarding. The, vague bell, but yeah, I've got but it's like, yeah, this was like last December. What are the chances of that being the only deleted scene this episode? Because I find it odd that they would cut out anything significant from an episode mm. like this yeah. anyway. Yeah. But I suppose it depends whether when you put the new plots in, do some other bits suddenly not work? Oh, you, it's a bit, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's kind of like a big Frankenstein well, monster. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Frankenstein, yeah. Frankenstein was the creator. Um, Take a Demon asked did anyone notice the ad on the back of the JMC magazine what was it Sturmaster uh, I think um, it's sort of out there on Twitter um, a picture of that magazine was out there a while ago um, on the front it's um, it says Reese King the new chairman of JMC or something Reese King was a runner on the series yes. who ended up uh, being a one of the assistant director, like third assistant director or something, he worked his way up basically. Yeah. While on the, on the, oh no, he did some stuff for the behind the scenes, having started up as a floor. He was runner. working with Nathan. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, we met him, and he's been nice. Um, and on the back is yeah, sign up for Red Dwarf. 
I think, basically, with a, with a picture of the original ship. Yeah, original ship. The very original model. Isn't it, nice, isn't it nice to know paper magazines still exist in the yeah. future? Yeah. Yeah. And also huge bags of mail. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. <laughs> uh, Nitro Chris. Uh, Rimmer saying that he spent most of the last three million years dead. Uh, further credence for the suggestion that this is a mixture of hollow and nano Rimmer. Uh, I think just estimating it's just a little less than three million years would suggest it could be. Mm. It's yeah, it's it's too small to be comparable. Yeah, I think yeah, to all intents and purposes, the character has been merged. There is no in-universe explanation for it. It's purely a. It's just a, a, it, a just it's a, a narrative yeah, yeah. thing. Three million years is yeah. just a number that's been solved. No, as, as it's, it's a Oh uh, yeah, and also like three million years has never increased. It's always three million years ago. Yeah, three, three million, million five thousand because or whatever yeah, is. when you're at that scale, there's three no point adding twenty, yeah. thirty <laughs> years yeah. to it. It's like the joke about the the museum curator saying the dinosaur was sixty five million years and three months old. Yeah, <laughs> yeah kind of yeah, it's just and kind of yeah, and I genuinely don't think that line would have been a reference to this. What version of Rimmer yeah. is that? But, but you know, the amount of back references that are in the series, you can see how someone might start yeah. Yeah. things up. Absolutely, but yeah, I don't think it is this one. <laughs> Take a Demon's point out. I think this is a joking continuity spasm. Uh, <laughs> so let's not. Um, he told the Justice computer that he never so much as got a parking ticket. And now he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was something I noticed after seeing it. So it was like, now that's become true. Well, it's not even a continuity problem because at the no, time he had that. Didn't didn't yeah, it's true. That's, true. Didn't know that's fair enough. Um, let's <laughs> return to something that we um, first mentioned at the very start of this uh, Dwarfcast. Uh, Stubbleless, Stubbleless, Stubbleless has, pointed, <laughs> has posted on GNT. Say, uh, read the JMC computer. It makes some sort of sense to have a machine which makes judgments such as promotions being separate from Holly because Holly has a personality and is obviously designed to form some kind of relationship with crew members. Having an impartial AI that you can't argue with seems like it would reduce conflict. Yeah, yeah. and clearly this machine has somehow expanded to take the role of Holly. Holly it wasn't or needed yeah. when Holly was active and Holly had discretion and it yeah. was also yeah. the same. But now they have got this sort of binary... It's, but it is going a bit space, far, and it is it? going too far. It's, 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 what, what I find interesting is that it's like, it's almost like, it almost feels like Doug is thinking, "Oh shit, are they really three million? I wish I hadn't done that. <laughs> I, I wish, I wish you know there were a few more people around, and maybe there was something. I wish I'd done Star Trek. What I need <laughs> is really cheap conflict, right? I need a, a mild antagonist." That can be read out from a piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> but, do you know, right. but do you know what I mean? It does. It almost feels like Doug's trying to just twist the show into something it isn't actually possible to yeah. twist it into. Yeah. I've just yeah. thought of two of my own small points um, that are related to this Prosec discussion. Firstly, um, R- uh, Rimmer acting a little bit out of character again. The fact that he gets in trouble with the JMC computer for not having turned up for active service for three million years. Uh, goes against a lot of what Rimmer's done in the past of observing um, observing the regulations yeah. to the letter even though the JMC is gone and the human race is extinct. Yeah. Uh, that's made most of a thing in Body Snatcher, which might not be canon. Uh, it is. <laughs> it is in John's world. Uh, and I, I guess all the examples I can think of from early in the series, so maybe 
he has slacked off on that point in the intervening years. Which he has, to be fair, he has. Mm-hmm. What um, about his few days uh, service on the holoship as well? No. Yeah. Well, I just saw that as like I saw that as like three hours. Yeah. <laughs> he went in. Oh, she's gone. I suppose the question is why is the computer making this judgment call now? But that was explained, wasn't it? Because he um, it been it triggered it. By yeah, he yeah sending main uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like like maybe yeah. maybe it's, it's one. Been, it's this big kind of. I'm saying maybe he's trying to twist it into something it isn't. Maybe that's not true because Red Dwarf's been going through planets and series I two or whatever. It's maybe just I could do with a few more lines. I yeah. think yeah, that that's Setting it. it it's that it's something that when you think about it, and when you discuss it in the way that we do, you can rationalise it and you can start and you can make it make sense. Yeah. But it feels like there was something missing that didn't make it a little bit clearer, a little bit more comfortable in the episode. And sometimes that doesn't matter, but when it starts eating away at the premise of the show slightly, yeah. you start just If you're getting it. distracted by stuff like that while you're watching it as well, and I was really distracted by that Rimmer plot, uh, really distracted by that Rimmer plot, because most of the time I was thinking, hang on, like, what? <laughs> what What the fuck's the to- toilet rolls? Why? <laughs> that doesn't really work does it um, yeah, there's something to do with budgets where the fuck is this money coming from yeah, why does bank- it matter yeah. you've got reserves yeah uh, are they getting money from JMC at <laughs> that point are they what? where's this bank that they're going yeah. to donate the they're selling the, the idea is they have they have the reserves for uh, over a hundred or over a thousand people uh, that was meant to last what 18 months and that is enough for four people for the rest of their lives well, cat, only Cat and Lister need a shit yeah, uh, for the active, well, yeah, toilet and, active and everything else, and yeah. presumably that's the same with medical supplies. But you can't turn toilet paper into anaesthetic, mm-hmm. or money to buy anaesthetic from people that aren't selling anaesthetic. Well, well, do, the, do the line that Brighton said was that they return the stocks to the warehouse and get a refund. Yeah, the I think thing. there's an um, internal monetary system that which an internal, is completely faulty. But then, if there is, yeah. that's sorry, you've run out of credits. It's that, that kind of thing. Yeah, do, do we think Doug's just got frustrated at the budget this series? Come on, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not yes. even joking. Is no. this where it's come from? I'll wipe my ass on this budget here. There's your fucking toilet roll. <laughs> that, yeah, that fits in to the fact that a lot of episodes have had Doug's bugbears. Yeah, in and quite it's, obviously, and it's one of the, And if I mean, this was written in the middle of production and yeah. things were going, <laughs> I, I, I honestly think that's that's possibly it. And it's oh, you dear. know, I don't necessarily mind it in this show particularly, but um, the Doug's bugbear thing is, doesn't. I don't like it. It was all one day. I mean, he was on tech support trying to um, trying to get his broadband sorted out. He had to build a flat pack furniture, and then an email came through about the budget being fucked. <laughs> <laughs> it just affected him. It's just a massive metaphor yeah, for Doug. He tripped up and had to fill in the health and safety. <laughs> uh, my other small point is there was a <laughs> there was there was a, a large number of people in the room who went, "Oh fuck." When the Medibot was mentioned, <laughs> <laughs> we were all terrified oh, that the Medibot that was going to get brought back and it would be Kerry Shale yeah. again. I genuinely thought that the um, it was from episode one, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, there was a oh. whole there was a bit of that storyline with Rimmer where he was trying to what was it? Oh, he was he was trying, trying to prove he was dyslexic. Trying to prove he was dyslexic, so in that, order to get out of the exam, to, or for them to get lower longer. the thing for the exam or something. And as soon as they mentioned that, because mm-hmm. they kept mentioning little things about oh, you have to prove. 
yeah. why and yeah. I'm thinking no please don't <laughs> put that in I there think, crucially they refer to it as the medical computer as yes. well yeah. rather so, than medibot yeah. yeah. medibot yeah well because Crane's already said he doesn't like the medibot oh yeah I wonder if that's Doug's voice as well. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's certainly the audience's voice oh for some reason you saying that's reminded me of a really really good joke um <laughs> Uh, Crichton saying to Rimmer, "Oh, please don't order me to uh, help you, so I don't like helping." You. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was actually brilliant. There's, there's a really lot of lines. really good lines in the episode. Somebody yeah, mentioned really um, earlier in the earlier Dwarfcast about uh, how Rimmer always seems to be using his uh, position to order Crichton to do something, mm. and it seems to be every episode. It does seem to be every episode that he's done it. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's Crichton used doesn't it want to do. Scene, yeah. yeah, it's as it's been commented on. Yeah. Well, Fantastic. one final internet small point will lead us into the f- next section of this uh, dwarf cast because oh, it's, uh, it's a small point to do with the beginning. Uh, Pug stole my name. Who is Ridley? Isn't he? He's Ridley. Yep. He's Ridley on GNT. Pug stole my name on Twitter. Says I theorised that the beginning will be dealing with the consequences of Rimmer's time as Ace, and didn't Mister Naylor tweet that episode six would reveal which Rimmer it is we're seeing? Gaspacho Soup would know. And so yeah, the beginning that was a really good trailer. Yeah, uh, I've been really underwhelmed by the previous ones because they've just been random bits of dialogue mm. with the theme tune in the background. But this was a proper trailer. It was yeah. cut, and yeah. there was there was tension and good things. It seems that. Maybe sixty percent of Bill Pearson's model works all gone into this episode. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. By, I by think the looks of that a lot of well, work just from, has gone into this yeah, the, episode. All the things that we've seen in the title sequence that we've not yet seen in in the show. There's only one episode yeah. of those could be yeah. in. And there's one extra shot which has not been seen in the beginning titles but has been seen I think maybe I don't know who no, when we saw it, but it was the shot of Blue Midget going through the asteroids. Yeah. That looks oh, we saw it. Love oh, is that what we yeah. saw it from? Oh, but yeah, well. really, really nice. Yeah. Um, Yes, All gorgeous. the other times where they've got Blue Midget moving and flying away from a dwarf, <laughs> I don't particularly like it. No. But that, that really shot. nice close-up weaving yeah. in and out, that was perfect. Nice. It's interesting what you said about the um, story, Ian, because it's, I'm kind of thinking it's easier to edit together a trailer telling a story when you've got a story. Yes. <laughs> and so that kind of bodes well yeah. Yeah. for episode six. I mean, that was like Father and Sons was like that. Father and Sons had a really good trailer. Uh, there was Lemons action in thing, yeah. Oh, I don't know. I wasn't keen on that just for technical reasons. I think right, okay. there was bits that were not yeah, cut very well. In that. But yeah, dear Dave had a shit trailer and there was no plot. So yeah, it was the go. worst. Then again, Lemons had an awful trailer. Yeah. Well, not awful. That but we just did. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was too busy. Um, meanwhile, um, Dave's Facebook page is updated with something that they're supposed to have updated with, uh, <laughs> which is good. And it's a their cover photo is now a picture from uh, the beginning, hey. which oh. shows. Danny's just seen this for the first time. It shows uh, what would appear to be some sort of rogue simulant. A simulant, <gasps> oh, yeah. <laughs> On board red dwarf uh, with a moustache. He's got a moustache and a strange sort of comb over. Yeah. 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 Who looks? Uh, show it to John. Show oh, it to John. Okay. Okay. Actually, me, 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 if oh, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to speculate. It, hold it up to the web. I'm not even going to speculate. Were you at the last episode? No. Fucking then hell. you can speculate. <laughs> no, oh. Well, that is incredible. But it just it's got a Ace Rimmer like hair. <laughs> it's got Rimmer like hair. Ace Rimmer like hair. 
it does bring in mind to what um, Tanya was saying, um, I think, on... Um, uh, I'm not sure whether you were saying... Well, anyway, the point is, um, about <laughs> Jeopardy in Red Dwarf. Yeah. And how the best episodes have real Jeopardy, and it's not something I've particularly felt a lot of the time this series. Mm-hmm. And I'm really hoping the beginning deals... It happened in Father and Sons with me. I got it in Father and Sons with the, the Jeopardy of it. it the f- I still I got that tension. The I thing- think I'm the only person who doesn't like the shock of going into the Ramscape. <laughs> I think it looks shit. <sighs> I, I think the, um, the only time that we're talking about Jeopardy is, obviously, if you have Jeopardy in episode two, it's not actually Jeopardy. Mm. Um, but what Red Dwarf has done a couple of times is put genuine jeopardy in the last episode. Not yeah. least back to reality. Not least back to reality. I think you got jeopardy in most episodes of, say, five. Oh, yeah, yeah but, but for, the, for the audience. For the audience, for the audience. not. And when, when you've got, like, say, you're watching um, uh, Parallel Universe, that's, you know, I mean, it's a cliffhanger and, you know, Lister is... But mm-hmm. what I mean is that any th- sort of threat to the crew, mm-hmm. um, or even more threat to the status quo, yeah. is yeah. Yeah. a little bit more believable when it's the last episode. I agree with that, yeah. So there'll be more room for that, I think, um, in the beginning. I'm just Possibly massively, maybe. massive, massively looking forward oh, to the beginning. From I, everything yeah, I, this is... It's, I didn't see the recording and just everything looks great. And I don't know this, anything about this it. This picture looks fantastic. I just, I literally, I've made sure no one tells me anything. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, fuck all. I don't know, fuck all, mate. I think there was one thing given away ages ago and I've forgotten it. <laughs> That's good. Um, well, yeah, we know that it's adapted from the movie script. And so perhaps this simulant is a homo sapienoid. Uh, homosexual man. <laughs> <laughs> or a homosexual man. <laughs> or both. Yes. <laughs> Definitely a rogue simulator. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, good. Uh, <laughs> I think it's time to, to close this down now. I, think well, I can't say a fucking word about this. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, let's let's watch that next week then. Yeah. Uh, and so, as the... Did you have one more thing I to say? I just got one more thing to say ah, before oh. you run away mm-hmm. with your script. Um, I'm going to give you one more exclusive, my friends. That's right. <laughs> Dimension Jump. Yay. Yay. Um, the voice of the dispensing machines was a very beautiful lady called Isla Yor, and she is going to be joining us at Dimension Jump. Ooh. Same woman for both Exclusive of them. on GMT. If she's so did she do both? Yes. yes. She did both. Ah, yeah. Yes. Okay. She, she, yeah. She if she's said. such a beautiful woman, how come she was only a voiceover? <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll find out at DJ. That'd be w- first uh, question. You're so fucking beautiful. <laughs> Just like the episode, we managed to end on an offensive note. <laughs> how, how deliciously apt. And so, as uh, Chris Barry gets twatted over the head with a big lump of wood on Dave, it's time for us to stop talking at you now. Thanks to everyone who's listened live, and especially to those who have chipped in. Uh, we'll have a, a written review of Dear Dave up on www.ganymede.tv over the next few days, along with a better sound quality, but still poor technical <laughs> editorial quality <laughs> version of this podcast, which you can also get on iTunes or your RSS feeder of choice. And we'll be broadcasting live for the final time next week, so that we can end on the beginning. Until then, from me, Capsy, Danny, Tanya, John, Joe and Julian... Goodbye. Thank you for listening to GNT Dwarfcast, and we hope sometime in the future you'll decide to listen to our Dwarfcast again. Have a safe onward journey. Goodbye.